I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. From Complex to Queens listeners, this is Ken Lavin. I'm joined here by uh, Lucas Vlahos. Uh, Steve Saipa is currently, uh, or Sipa, sorry, I just pulled a, a Jeff Paternostro, um, is currently sitting on the Columbia Fireflies in Columbia's, Columbia, South Carolina. So uh, we're on our own this week. With no Lucas, laptop charger. <laughs> no laptop charger, yeah. Uh, we will give Steve some shit about that next week, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so Lucas, how are you today? I'm, I'm alright. Uh, happy Father's Day to everyone. It's, uh, it's pretty nice out. Not as nice as it was this week, but it's a nice day. Yeah, pretty nice day. Not too hot. You know. And the Mets managed to not, you know, they haven't lost yet today. Yet. The adoptive <laughs> word of that sentence, so. God, what a mess of a game yesterday was. Yeah, what a mess of a, uh, of a series. Like. <laughs> We don't, we don't, let's not, let's not. Yeah, let's not. Um, so it was a, um, kind of a bad week for the Mets minor league affiliates pretty much across the board. Uh, the Syracuse Mets were the most successful team in the organization going three and three on the week. They're now 33 and 35 on the year and have fallen to third place in the International League North Division. Uh, it was a an extremely bad week for the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll start by saying Andres Jimenez was examined, had his hand examined. Um, turns out nothing. They couldn't determine that anything was broken, so that's good news. But Binghamton, nonetheless, was playing without him and went one and five on the week. They're now down to thirty three and twenty nine on the year, which is good for fourth in the Eastern League Eastern Division. Uh, the St. Lucie Mets went two and three this week. Uh, they're now 32 and 34, which is good for fifth in the Florida State League South division. And Columbia continued to not be very good going one and five, which brings them to 24 and 41, which has them at last in the South Atlantic League God, Southern division. God, that yes. team is such a letdown. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Hey, hey, Brooklyn still has a perfect record, so, yeah, so we got Brooklyn, that going for us. In, uh, the annual, uh, I like to call it the, the pettiest series in baseball, uh, <laughs> um, between the, the Brooklyn Cyclones and the Staten Island Yankees, uh, Brooklyn is currently 2-0. So, that's I, nice. I, I would bet almost all of the money I have, which isn't much, but I'd bet almost all of it that the Wilpons are like, or are refreshing the box score as that game is <laughs> happening, and the Steinbrenners are like, what game? Yeah, no, the Steinbrenners absolutely, it's, it's petty because the Wilpons do things like, um, I've seen Noah Syndergaard pitch one of those games on a rehab stint, um, 
I'm pretty sure they sent Justin Wilson. Yeah, there. Justin Wilson was pitching there yesterday. It's like what? what? Solely. <laughs> Yeah. Now well, I can at least, I can understand it if like he's about to be activated tomorrow and they want to. Yeah, but close. also the team is going on the road <laughs> after today. <laughs> yeah, I mean it also might have made sense when you know Triple A was in Vegas still, but now Triple A's in Syracuse. <laughs> we have them. We have uh... <laughs> at Triple A. <laughs> It's, we're we're two minutes into the show and we're already yelling about stupid Mets things. Yeah, I mean, as far as stupid Mets things goes, that's a pretty harmless one. Yeah, it's, <laughs> he's it's, gonna pitch somewhere. Who gives a shit if it's Brooklyn? <laughs> right. It's right. just funny because like it's it's clear the Yankees like don't actually care. <laughs> right. About the short season series against the, you know the, the Yankees are busy, you know, actually spending on their major league team. Yeah, they're they're busy trading for Edwin Encarnacion. So that because they can, they can. Uh, <laughs> to bolster so they their have, lineup, so they can so have they can someone have, with a one ten weighted runs created plus or higher at basically every position, you know. So because that they can have one of the the league leaders in home, the American League leaders in home runs in their lineup. <laughs> in the next week, they're probably adding Stanton, Judge, and Encarnacion. Yeah, that. that that's that's wild. Like <laughs> that's what the Yankees care about. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's the records and the long diatribe about the pettiness of the New York Mets. <laughs> uh, shall we move on to players of the week? Yeah, yeah, why don't you go first because your guy's okay. an actual prospect and mine isn't. Um, yeah, so the hitter of the week, uh, we decided to go with somebody who, you know, is probably going to be a podcast concern for most of the year and is probably more interesting to talk about than Carlos Cortez. Um, Ronnie Mauricio, who hit 318. 348, 636 on the week before going three for four yesterday with a triple and a double. Uh, his total line for the season is up to 295, 339, 401. So that slugging percentage is above 400. Hallelujah. Yep. Um, yeah. And that all of that is with him being one of the maybe five or 10 youngest players in the South Atlantic League. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he got a glowing still. review. Yeah, 18. Um, and he got a glowing review from our very own Steve Sippa. Uh, I'll pull up his Twitter report right now, Lucas, if you. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> I was, I was probably the low man on Mauricio because I'm very much not a scout. I'm someone who looks at pro, at, at stats and, and tries to go off that. He hasn't really answered a lot of my concerns yet because he's still not walking a ton. He's still not hitting for a ton of power. But, I mean, the dude's 18, he's probably weighs 160 pounds soaking wet. Yep. Uh, and, and the basketball lovely. seems there. Go go ahead with Steve, what Steve wrote, because that's um, – for a prospect like this, the in-person look from an actual scout is a lot so more So there, there isn't really much um, on Twitter. It's basically he just said, uh, Ronnie Mauricio is something special, folks. <laughs> that's good. And uh, – should I pull out the DMs? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could pull pull the. I mean, he gave he dropped us. Uh, he gave us a little thing. Uh, that should be quick. Yep. Showed solid gap power with a little bit of home run power right now. Very thin and leggy. Will add more when he fills out. Speedy and looks good visually at short. So he's yeah, a. So that's about as glowing a review as you're going to get from a, um, you know, young Dominican, you know. Right. Prospect. He's not. 
he's not Wander Franco, but he's he's doing a lot of good things. Yeah, I think there's a pretty good chance he's um one of the better players to yeah. sign in the the 2017 IFA period. Like um yeah. like I, I always say with the 2015 period that got us him and as like you know, if you have a class that's that loaded, you're bound to hit somebody, hit on somebody. Right. Uh, it's right. nice that it's looking like Mauricio might be somebody that they hit on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still I'm still a little worried. He eventually winds up more Ahmed Rosario than than one of the other. Oh pop- yeah, that's valid. Right, um, like Rosario, who doesn't walk a lot, doesn't hit for a ton of power, though his power has improved this season. Uh I think Rosario's defense will improve over time, so I'm not not concerned yeah, about that. I've I've also been pretty vocal in that I think he. Um, the athletic tools are so loud that if you need to move him to center, I think he would adjust there pretty well. Right. Um, right. You'd have to do it during the off season, of course, or you know during spring, but you can't just throw him to the wolves out there. But I think he'd be. He has all of the tools you would need to be a very good center. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Which is also something that we've all been saying about. <laughs> he has all the tools you would need to be a very good shortstop. Shortstop. But... Yeah. I mean, he does, and I find it puzzling that they haven't been able to work on his defense more. But he Rosario is still also just twenty three, so there's time. Yeah, and and like the things about shortstop is a much more, um, we'll say, refined skills uh than than I think center field would be. Like routes mm-hmm. and stuff are would would have to be, you know, taught and everything. But I think I think it's not like he's turning double plays. It's not like a lot of the, the hands issues, which I think is really his big issue is Yeah. You know, he happened he boots balls from time to time. Like yeah. which you would hope would go away with age, but you know, if it doesn't, that's less of an issue in the How about in we the just Lock him in a room with Luis Guillorme for a couple months, <laughs> and uh, that'll that should, thing. yeah, that should fix the issue, right? Just, <laughs> just bounce a tennis ball against the wall for a few years, right? Right. And I like, I think Rosario is a, a useful player. I think that's kind of where Mauricio's tracking now, but he still has the the upside to to grow into more power. So yeah, it's a, it's uh, exciting, more exciting yeah. than the rest of that roster. Oh, exactly. And I think the thing that I'm most encouraged about with Mauricio is um. There's clearly room for him to add good muscle mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a way that, like, Rosario was always kind of, like, stick thin. Mm-hmm. Um, Mauricio has been showing a little bit more power, and I can see it really popping, you know, Yeah, I as think... he gets a little bigger and he starts to fill out more. Although that's projection, and as we always say projection is, you know, in the eye of the beholder. So Yeah, some guys just never fill out. And the Mets, um, don't have the greatest track record when it comes to, to helping guys get to more power. Alonzo is more the exception than the rule, I think. Yeah, he, the uh, power was pretty much there. They just kind of tweaked the swing out, a little bit. Figured out how to make the swing work so that he could get to it, you know? Right. The, Met, the Mets don't do a great job with swing changes, and I don't know that that, that Mauricio needs one or not, but, uh, I mean, this is an issue for a couple Honestly, of years down the line. I, I've seen a lot of the swing, and I, I really like the swing. I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to have to change a thing. I think it's mm-hmm. maybe the approach that's going to have to, you know, be tweaked. You know, okay. where he, what he's trying to do with the ball and uh, pitch selection. Okay. But again, he's he's 18, so right. There's time. I mean, like, if I if I recall correctly, Rosario had a very noisy swing coming up where he would I mean, do he, a lot he of. Still does. <laughs> right. right. Well, it used to be like ex- exaggeratedly. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I remember reading a, a report from Jeff that was like, there's a lot of noise. Yeah, it's like <laughs> doing all this weird wild. shit with his hands. 
Yeah, there, there was a big leg kick. Basically everything you would do to try to max out somebody's power who doesn't have a ton of it, you know? Right, right. So, yeah. Um, that's, the, that's the positive on Mauricio, and hopefully he hits the high end of that. Yep. I think I said a couple weeks ago I was at a seven in terms of excited for Mauricio. I'm probably still about there. Yeah. I, it I'm looks like what you want from your, you know, big IFA signing from two years yep. ago. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. I'm yep. I'm pretty much neutral crazy. on him, but yeah. he's already high on it in the first place. Yep. Uh I guess pitcher of the week now. Uh someone we've talked about before, but it's not Anthony Kay uh this week. Anthony just got promoted to AAA. Um, Good job, This Anthony. week it's actually Chris Mazza, uh, who I believe was one of our first pitchers of the week. Yeah, earlier I'm looking at that now. Uh, uh, early on. He's, uh, so I'm not Maz- saying it. Wow. Hmm? Yeah, no, it doesn't look like he's won one yet. Really? I could have sworn oh. we talked about him at some point. We probably have. Uh, Flexen, Gonzalez, K, Wilson, Gonzalez, K, K are the, the oh. pitchers. So. Okay, so we haven't had Mazza yet. So Mazza is a, a first-time winner then. <laughs> uh, 29-year-old right-hander. Um, I was reading apparently he's a not-so-distant relative of Joe, Joe DiMaggio, which was kind of cool. Hmm. Um, so obviously he's a 29-year-old, not not like a super significant prospect or anything. Uh, he was picked in the 2011 draft in the 27th round with the 27th pick by the Twins. Uh, never really got out of A ball for, for Minnesota, just kind of bounced around. He had, uh, uh, an arm injury that kept him out for a whole season. Later, he actually pitched with a broken wrist for half a season. I think we've definitely talked about this. We've story. talked about that. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> dude pitched with a broken bone, broken, one of the handmates was broken. Inconceivable that he was able to pitch with that sort of pain. Like so it's just wild to me. astounding. Um, but never had a ton of success. Uh, with the Twins, moved to the Marlins between, uh, um, where's the first year here? 2015 to 2018, and kind of bounced around in the, the mid-minors. He made it up to AAA once, I think. Um, so obviously some advancement. Uh, joined the Mets before the season. He's been splitting time between AAA and AA. Uh, for Syracuse, he has a 3.86 ERA with a 7.2K9 and a 2.3, uh, BB9, uh, Jeff actually saw him a couple weeks ago, or maybe, uh, this last week. Um, basically it's exactly what you expect from this kind of pitcher. It's a fringy fastball with fringy commands, reverse mechanics, a firm changeup, uh, a slider that's, uh, a little, a little slurvy. If he keeps it in the 80s, it's apparently effective as opposed to if it slips into the 70s. So basically yeah, just copy paste the report from every journeyman. Starting pitcher in Triple A, um, but this uh, yesterday he went eight scoreless innings, allowed only two hits, struck out eight, got the win, added a double and a run at the plate just for good measure. Um, and hey, now he might be next in line to make starts for the Mets with Syndergaard going down. So uh, get get your Chris Mazza Met jersey ready to go. So we've congratulated Chris Mazza on his accomplishment um, enough. Do you want to start talking about uh, who would be in line for that rotation spot for oh a minute? Oh, boy. Yeah, so... Mazza's probably League. in the conversation. Uh, probably Walker Lockett would be... Oh, please, no. Walker Walter Lockett. <laughs> yeah, Walter Walter Lockett was one of the... It was the arm they picked up for Kevin Pilecki from the Indians this past offseason, along with uh, Sam Haggerty. 
Neither of them um, has been good, shockingly. He uh, is currently striking out 3.28 per nine. Oh, <laughs> that <Yes>. is <laughs> really not bad. <laughs> I mean, he's got to he somehow his, his numbers are decent. Is. Yeah, um, but yeah, that, that's really low. <laughs> that's insanely low, and his FIP is in the fives. I'm pretty sure. That's yep. I, yeah. I, I'd rather he is a not. guy. He is a guy that the Mets really thought they they picked a diamond in the rough this offseason, and uh, I don't get it. I I never got it either. <laughs> and and I was never a huge fan of Kevin Pulecki by any stretch of the imagination. But they traded him away for an eighth starter and a utility infielder. Yeah, who's old in the Eastern League. It did. It, it made no sense. So that's one option. And I'm pretty sure we all know who am I thinking of that he uh 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 Logan Verrett. I va- I va- vaguely get like a Logan Verrett vibe from Walter Lockett, except he might be even worse. So yeah, Verrett was like a um like a one pitch guy. He had like a yeah. pretty good slider, and you know everything yeah. else had to play off that. Walker Lockett, I, I don't know. <laughs> he might have no. Pitch. He might be a half pitch guy. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, that's rude. So that's one option. That. <laughs> I think Wilmer Font is still on this team, probably. He's probably, yeah, he's probably going to be the... Um, I honestly... So apparently, uh, earlier today, Brody said that uh, uh, Kay will not be the guy to take that spot, but he may come up in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I honestly would not be opposed to fast-tracking Kay at this point. Uh, yeah, I, I think it might be a little soon right now, just because he's got the one start in Triple A, mm-hmm. and it did. It, it's not like it went particularly well. Yeah, it's it's a <laughs> like one it didn't start. go that bad, you know. Right. But, um, he had a lot of strikeouts. Looks like there was probably some Babbitt misfortune or something. Yeah, I think he gave um, it wrong. Um, so I, I would probably want to get him a couple more starts at Triple A, just because you know we we downplay the jump from Double A to Triple A, but like he is mm-hmm. facing. You know, guys with big league service time for probably the first time. I'm, I mean, I think I, w- I was on the other side of that argument when we had that discussion, and I also think the Mets are kind of in a spot in the season where they need to, they need to establish whether they're going to be buying or selling, right? You don't want to get caught in the middle. Yeah. And I, I think if there's a time you kind of push your chips in a little bit, at least your internal chips, now would be it. And if That's that fair. means K gets a couple starts at the major league level before he's quote unquote ready, mm-hmm. I don't think that's the biggest deal in the world because you say, all right, this didn't work. Now the team's bad. So yeah, we're gonna like, start selling, send it back down to get some more seasoning. And like I always feel like you can always have the conversation with them when you do it. Like, hey, you know, try your best. We recognize this is a big ask, but you know, don't let this, you know. Beat your confidence or anything. Right. You know? These guys are professional athletes. They're professional really- athletes. They want to compete. And um, I'm just going to go with Anthony K. Does not seem to be lacking in confidence. No, so no. I think he if does you're not. gonna if you're gonna push somebody a little faster than maybe a lot of people would think is necessary or would think is good, uh, Anthony K. Might be a good candidate for that because I, I don't think a bad outing or two to start no. his big league career is really going to kill him. I think. No, I don't. I don't think if there's somebody who believes in himself, I think it's Anthony Kay. Of of all the pitchers we've talked about, he also probably has the single best pitch of all of yeah. them. Like I don't know that any of the other arms we mentioned has a better pitch than Kay's curveball right now. Yep. And that he, alone makes me want to put him. I think he could turn over a lineup once just going fastball and curveball. 
like at least once. Just going, I, I, throwing I, the curveball like forty percent of the time. I think he could do that pretty easily. I, I think the Mets could also leverage. Not that any of these arms are are are. The Rays get away with what they do because they one have a lot of quality arms and use them smartly. But I think the Mets could leverage this this like pile of misfit toys a little bit, and you mm-hmm. can throw Robert Gazelman in here too, and cobble together a couple like piggybacked starter system to fill sort out of the like back an, there. Like a like a, a longer version of the opener. Where yeah, like absolutely. The first guy goes like three innings instead yeah. of one. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. Like you've got a couple of guys who really shouldn't. Uh, I don't want to put K in this category because hopefully at some point he'll be like a legitimate starter, but you've got a bunch of guys who you're pretty confident can turn over a lineup once or, you know, at least get you a few outs without imploding. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like a pretty good idea to just go say, hey, maybe this is K Gazelman Lugo's day, you know? Right. I mean, we've always – this has always been kind of a, a pejorative when you're talking about a, a, a starter whose stuff doesn't play up in the bullpen, mm-hmm. which to me has always described a starter that has – can maybe get through a lineup once but wouldn't benefit from only going one inning, from airing it out from one inning, and also mm-hmm. doesn't have the stuff to get through it twice. And it seems like the rest of baseball has figured out a way to use these guys while the Mets yeah. are not being as forward-thinking as they could be with the assets they have. Right. And the assets they need to use now if if Noah Syndergaard's on the shelf for a while. Yeah, if, if he's going to miss, you know, time, they're going to need to find uh, a guy who can – or, or a, a collection of guys who can give them, you know, maybe five, six starts. Yep. Jason Vargas, fourth starter. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> guys, our depth is great. What are you talking about? Pitching depth. That Dallas Keuchel guy, we didn't need him. Not no. Who's he going to replace in the rotation? Everyone's pitching well right now. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, Meanwhile, the Braves, who like actually legitimately have pitching depth <laughs> because they have a pile of young top prospects. Yeah, a pile of young arms who aren't proven but have potential. Uh, <sighs> Don't worry, guys. Uh, we beat Staten Island twice. Yep. Brooklyn must win. <laughs> so those are your players of the week. and yep. uh, Congratulations so. to uh, Ronnie Mauricio and Chris Mazza. Uh, Anthony Kay will get you another week. <laughs> yeah, he's, he has two more this season before we declare him ineligible. Yeah, so. <laughs> A little bit longer. Yep. My bad on that, Anthony. Um <laughs> Uh, so I guess we'll discuss Brooklyn for a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do we need to throw it a commercial? <laughs> yeah, your call on when to do that exactly. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, we'll we'll hear from some of our sponsors, I guess, and uh, we'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens. I'm Ken Lavin. I'm joined by uh, Lucas Vlahos. And uh, we're going to do a little preview of the recently started uh, – Brooklyn Cyclones roster. We've already spent too long talking about this pod. Yeah, <laughs> but not the yeah, actual you know. roster. When when Steve isn't here, we're we're kind of <laughs> just kind of figuring things out. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a meandering meandering walk through the Mets prospect land. Yep. <laughs> um, Brooklyn's already two and zero with a roster full of uh, uh, older players. Yeah, a lot of uh, not just college players, but senior signed college players. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, do any of these guys look particularly interesting to you, Lucas? I the the one who I found most interesting at the time of the draft, which hasn't changed because it's two games in a league they're too young for. Yeah, uh, I I like I found Oda interesting. He's probably going to be in Kingsport. Uh, for yeah, most, uh, right. So he's player. one of the few guys we haven't gotten to see yet. <laughs> um, uh, on the Brooklyn roster, no one, no one in particular excites me. Uh, Mangum isn't there yet, so right. he was probably the most potentially interesting. Uh, I don't know if you disagree on any of that. Um, no, I mean, exciting might be the wrong word because mm-hmm. you know they they are senior signs. There's um, and in everyone's case except for Mangum, um, there's like a reason they ended up not being drafted until, you know, the price tag was drastically lower. Um, I think this team is gonna pitch, and I, I'm gonna pitch relatively well, and I'll discuss that in a minute, I guess, because I want to make a few points on um, some of the offensive players first. Uh, Zach Reams, I'm, I've always been kind of fascinated by. I'm pretty sure. He's never gonna reduce the swing and miss enough to be, you know, much more than org filler. But I saw him a little bit at Texas Tech last year when I was trying to get a, a, a few game look at a uh, Josh Jung, and dude can hit the ball very mm-hmm. far. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Steve kind of liked him when he saw him. Kind of the same deal where who knows if he'll hit enough, but you know, the power, the raw power is certainly there. Right, but. Uh, I'm also kind of fascinated by Joe Gennord. Yeah, uh, I remember you mentioned him around draft time. What's your uh, what's so, your fascination with this dude? So, like, um, with with right right first baseman, right? You try to take one or two in each draft, and then maybe one every ten years becomes Pete Alonso or mm-hmm. Pete Alonso, like seventy five percent of Pete Alonso. You mm-hmm. know, you get a Paul Goldschmidt occasionally. Yeah, or just like um, a three true outcomes guy who hits for enough power where you're not upset he's on your team, you know? Uh, like Luke, a, Luke Voigt would be, I guess, the you mean example pa- of that. Pakoda God, Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt, Pakoda Overlord, <laughs> Luke Voigt. <laughs> yeah, so like occasionally you get one of these guys who, you know, it's it's a right, right first baseman. Um, in Gnard's case, he, he really, I, I'm probably butchering that pronunciation, but... Mm-hmm. 
Um, there's plenty of reasons why he was available as a senior. You know, he can't really field at all at first base. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I like guys who just have ridiculous raw power, and he's somebody who seems like they he has ridiculous. If you're gonna bet on something on a guy who doesn't have much upside, raw power and hoping he can find a way to tap into that consistently, I think is a pretty good way to go if you're mm-hmm. investing little to nothing in someone. That's at least one tool that's pretty well developed and you can project, you know? Right, right. Like, he's not going to lose, you know, light tower batting practice power in the jump from, I forget what conference, University of South Florida is. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I could not tell you. I couldn't tell you either. Um, I, but he's not going to lose that raw, that raw power is something that's, you know, not in the beholder really. I have the mm-hmm. beholder. Um, that being so said, I, who knows if you'll hit? <laughs> right. So I, I have like th- I think you could make this a more generalizable philosophy question or draft philosophy question. Is it better to to grab guys who maybe have an elite skill and then obvious holes, or to grab guys whose tools across the board are are underwhelming but there's no big hole? And I've always leaned into the form uh, the former camp where I want someone who has an elite skill or two, but obvious right. holes that you have to try to fix rather than someone who's like, all right, you're, you're never going to be elite at any one thing, which just caps ceiling, I think, pretty hard. Yeah, right. If you're, you know, drafting somebody for, I think Gennard got like $10,000 as a senior yeah, sign. Yeah, probably, yeah. Like, why not swing for the fences, you know? Mm-hmm. You, you can, you know, it, say say he figures out how to hit 230 in the big leagues. Right, you know? right. That's a, a better outcome than, you know, a, a 230 hitter with some walks and a lot of power. It's a better outcome than somebody who gets to double A and, you know, never figures out how to hit spin, which how, how can also has, be. Right. I mean, how long has Mark Reynolds been hanging around? Like, that's his – that's him basically. Yeah, no, he's he's been around forever, but, you know – He's never going to pop into something unless something really weird happens. Right, exactly. I'd rather a guy who you can squint and see some upside, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I, I, t- I totally agree. And all these senior signs, a lot of them do have that kind of one tool that's, mm-hmm. you know, like Ashford, I think, can run a lot and is a very good defensive outfielder. Yeah, they drafted a couple of those speedy center field types. Mangum's the same way, where he's mm-hmm. a very good defensive outfielder, uh, and there's a lot of questions. So there, there's guys, I, I'd rather get the one big league tool when you're, you know, sort of dumpster diving with mm-hmm. bonus guys, um, than trying to find average across the board, because if there's no room for any of that to fall, you know? Right, right. So. I think we're in, in agreement on that. And I guess I, I can see the appeal if this is just a guy who's going to hit huge bombs. Um, yeah, um, that being said, there's every, I, I also like the swing a little bit, um, mm-hmm. from what I've seen, uh, it's got some noise, but for the most part, he's kind of direct to the ball. Um, right. so like a, a little bit of noise in the hands, but, and he's got a little bit of an uppercut, but it's a little better than I thought it was going to be when you say, you know, day three senior sign. Right. Right. Of course. Uh, now the, the knock on Gnord is that, um, he was teammates with Shane McClanahan, so it's not like scouts got any shortage of looks, as I, th- mm-hmm. I think Jeff pointed out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he still so, went that and he still went undrafted <laughs> the right. year that McClanahan went in the first round. So that's obviously not the best sign, but you know, 
for a senior sign, I, I don't, I don't dislike it. And, uh, I think there's something interesting. I, I, I like right, right first baseman, especially when you're not sinking significant resources into them, you know? Okay. I mean, that, that last caveat is the most important part. Yeah. No, if, if you're going for cheap, why not go for somebody who's got mm-hmm. an intriguing tool, like we said, and, you know, whatever the profile is what it is. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So. What about the pitching for that roster? I mean, none of it is... None of it is, like, really high-end, but um, no. I know Steve kind of likes Garrison Bryant, um, who should okay. be in the rotation. Matt Cleveland got a, a relatively significant bonus, uh, and they're opening, you know, I think it was 300 k or so for yeah. Cleveland. And Jason Acosta, you know, Steve loves his curveball. Right. Oh, I, I remember him talking yet, about that but, last year, yeah. Uh, Jason Acosta is probably a legitimate prospect going mm-hmm. forward. So I think those three would be decent. And then they supplemented them with um, my other, you know, sort of fascination from the senior sign group when Jordan Martinson, who uh, was the guy we talked about last week, who did a lot of analytics work when he was at Dallas Baptist. So Mm -hmm. I'll be interested to see what he looks like when he shows up. Um, It's currently on the inactive list. But, yeah, there's a lot of guys who are probably too old for this level, so I think they'll pitch. Yeah, I mean, he's probably the most interesting pitcher to me, and that's because I haven't seen Acosta in his curveball. Um, but mentioning that just because of the analytics angle is is interesting. Yeah, like I, I think um, I'm happy that they brought somebody like that into the organization. If mm-hmm. for no other, I, like who knows if he'll if he's actually any good or not. But um, mm-hmm. you know, get some of the other pitchers around him on board with that stuff. Yeah, yeah, helpful. you can use them as sort of like a conduit to like yep. teach yep. some other guys some skills they otherwise wouldn't have. Exactly, exactly. I mean, this is a roster that should win games, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of the selling point for drafting. Oh, it's, it's always... I mean, they were bad years. last year. <laughs> they, they've been bad the last couple of years. They were right? okay last year. Uh, they they were, yeah, they missed out on the playoff. Yeah, they were bad from... They were good in 2014 because they had Conforto and... Yeah, I, I remember that. And then 2015, they were bad. 2016, they were bad. 2017, they were bad. And then last year, they were five games over 500 and missed on the wild card by uh, mm. the, on the last day of the season. Right, right. So, uh, I forgot that they left Conforto okay. there for so long. Yeah, it's just his draft year. Um, you'd, you'd like to – other teams use the draft year as like a um, – you know, let's just see if we can get him to full season ball, get him into like a full season rhythm. But the Mets have never really been into that. No, they kind of just dump guys in uh, Brooklyn because, of course, Brooklyn must win. I mean, uh, that's a that's a good segue to talking about Brett Beatty, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, um, there was some scuttlebutt on Twitter that Beatty was going to be assigned to Brooklyn after getting his feet wet in the complex, but it seems like they've kind of quashed that. Um, and he's likely slated for Kingsport. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas, do you have any thoughts on that? I, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not as opposed to, to that assignment as, as I might be for, like, sending Conforto to Brooklyn was annoying. I don't really care where they send a, a high schooler in, in their draft yeah. year. So like, I, I would, I would like to see him in Brooklyn, um, partially for my own selfish reasons. Of living, course. You know, 
half an hour from that stadium. Right, right. Um, or maybe 45 minutes, I don't know. Um, also, I'd like to see them push him there because he's, you know, not particularly young for the Appy League, just yeah, being one of the older senior, uh, one of the older high school seniors you're ever going to see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he would be young for Brooklyn, but he's, you know, I don't know what the exact average age in the Appy is, but it's got to be close to 20, right? Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I could see them giving him the Kalanick program, basically. Yeah, the, the uh, for a little bit, and then the Appy, and then maybe if he hits better than Kalanick did um, during his time in Kingsport, mm-hmm. which, you know, obviously, you know, it's, it was Kalanick's draft year. Like, Yeah. I mean, I think that I think the transition is a lot bigger for the high schoolers than than the college yeah, players for for obvious reasons. So they're on first real like grind, right? You know? And I'm not because college players have a long season before that. Yeah, and I have no problem with the Mets, and maybe they have concerns about throwing them into New York City too, which I don't think are totally invalid. About hey, no, yeah, let's like, take you away from home and drop you into the biggest city in the world. And like Coney Island is is you know not necessarily. Uh, I, I would call it Big Apple adjacent. Um, of course, right, but it's, it's a 20 minute But also, route. yeah, you're, you're very close to a lot. Mm-hmm. So, a so I don't, I, I don't really have too strong opinions about what they do with Beatty. I be, I'll be more interested to see what they do with him at the start of next season. Yeah. Uh, I just hope wherever they put him, he just hits some, hits some big bombs. Apparently his power, he was hitting, uh, some impressive bombs in batting practice at City Field yesterday, so. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah, they were saying he was hitting him into the, like, the second deck. Oh, good. Yeah. That's nice. The raw power is real. We, uh, we do love our raw power, don't we? Yes. He's a little bit more than a right-right first baseman who can only hit dogs. He is a (laughs) left-right. Yeah, left-right third baseman. Third baseman for now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, in terms of the other significant draft prospects, they just signed Wolf, their second round pick. Yeah, uh, where do you think no they're going to send him? He, I, I think him and, um, God willing, if they sign Allen, are probably going to be on the same schedule that SWR was on last year, where, um, yeah, yeah. pitches in the complex, they kind of limit his innings, and then if Kingsport, you know, is still in it towards the end of the season, they'll just probably send everybody. Yeah, just give him a couple playoff yeah. stretch starts. Allen, maybe they push a little harder just because he's um, a more elite prospect. Yep. And um, I could imagine, you know, if he shows up and just is blowing people away, they might I, move him. But. I think you could very easily have a situation a la K in Binghamton this year where he just has a two-pitch mix that, or a breaking ball or something that no one at the level can hit. Yeah, and like – um. You know, you'd like to challenge him, but also he's getting used to a pro schedule for the first time and, you know. Right. And how many innings very, really yeah, push him? They're going to want to keep a very close eye and, you know, very tight limit on on his innings mm-hmm. before next year. So. Yeah. I think I think with high school guys, it's always the, the post-draft year that's most interesting to – the post-draft year placement that's most indicative. So we'll see okay. what they do. I and mean, hopefully they all put up some fun stats. We can dream all off season, and then – uh they get some aggressive assignments in 2020. Uh, so, Lucas, are you worried at all that they're not going to sign Allen? No. Uh, all right. Well, let me let me rephrase that. I'm always concerned that the Mets will disappoint me. I would even go as far to say as I expect them to disappoint me. Yeah. Uh, that said, I don't 
I don't think that we've seen any news or rumors that yeah. would indicate that they're not going to pull this off. So, yeah, if I had to put my level of concern on a scale of one to ten, I'd say maybe a three, just because I spent probably maybe an hour and ten minutes on the plane from Colorado last week trying to mm-hmm. figure out how the money was going to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seemed pretty easy if Batty and Allen were both going to get three million. Yeah. Uh, I'm just not sure how the math works with Allen getting 3.9 and Wolf getting above slot in the second round. Yeah. But that being said, like, you don't do this unless you're pretty positive you can, you know. Right. Get it and, done. and there also, there also is, before anyone panics, there's a very obvious reason they haven't finished their signings yet. They can't sign Mangum while yeah, exactly. he's still in the World Series, the College World Series, and they need to sign him before. They need to, like, have that extra yeah, money on the need, books. Um, I think it's something like like he's probably you know, going to get 400,000. Yeah, no, it's something like 400,000 that would be added right. to their bonus. So. Right. They want to lock up that money before they sign Allen. So the I'm delay not is terribly, not because they No, of course, yeah. But I I'm not terribly concerned, but I just don't really get how the math is going to work and I'm interested to see how the math is going to work. Mm-hmm. Um so that's where any trepidation is coming from on my part is that I, I tried to crunch the numbers and couldn't figure it out. I assume the Mets are better with math than I am. Yeah. And I also so. assume that Allen's number we, – we kind of heard that Allen's number came down a lot day two when he realized that no one was going to pick him at his yeah, current yeah. number. So if, maybe if it's, it's – million, I do, if it's $3 million flat, I don't think there's any real issue because no. they, they'll have 1.8 or so um, – from all the senior signs after Mangan signs and 600k from his slot bonus, and then they saved about 400 or something, so that gets you to around three million. And, yep. You know, so it's it's definitely I'm I'm not too concerned from a realistic standpoint. Right. So. Uh, yeah. So that's a uh, Brooklyn's yeah. roster. We'll probably talk about Kingsport next week after they start. Um. Mm-hmm. Shall we go into uh, everyone's Yeah, favorite? we can close out with our, oh, yeah, that guy, right? Yep. So this week, uh, I was actually poking around. What was I poking around? I was poking around old Ruben Tejada scouting reports because apparently he's destroying the ball in AAA yeah. right now. And I came across a farm report uh, where he had a big day, but uh, I'm probably – Butchering this pronunciation. Is it Yudi or Ayudi? I'm not even sure. Uh, I've heard, yeah, Yudi, I think. I'm gonna go with Yudi, Yudi Pena, who is, uh, was an outfielder for the Mets. He was a IFA signing from the Dominican Republic in 2008 to 2009. Always a guy with, with some, a lot of tools. He was fast. He could, uh, throw the ball really hard. Um, prototypical right fielder's build with some extra speed. Um, the power was there too. Just never quite figured out how to hit very well. Always struck out a decent amount or always had a decent amount of swing and miss. Um, and never made it past double A for the Mets. So he topped out in double A for the Mets in 2015. He went to the Marlins for the rest of that season after they released him. He spent some time with the White Sox in 2016, but he hasn't, hasn't played in an affiliated organization since then. Uh, however, in the week of, uh, six, the 9th of June to the 17th of June in 2015, he hit 292, 292, 542, which is a 139 weighted, uh, with two home runs, one of which was apparently a real moonshot. This was, uh, at the time for the Binghamton 
Mets, still the Mets, not the Rumble Ponies at that point. Um, and this was only a couple weeks before he was eventually released and, and moved on. So uh, another another international free agent uh, by the wayside. Yep. Uh, Wherever you are, Yudi. Yudi, I <laughs> hope might, you're doing might, well. Yeah, I wonder if he's like bouncing around the Mexican leagues or something like that. But opens BB Ref Pena. BB Ref. Let's see if he's in uh, independent ball. Nope. Nope. Looks Just... like uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, wherever you are, UD, uh, thank you. and uh, Thank you, and uh, good luck with whatever it is you're working on. I mean, yeah, made it to double well, A. That's a lot more than some people can say. Yep. Um, Still one of the top 1% of baseball players on the planet. 100%, yeah. All right. We made through it. We made it through so it without is Steve. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> Steve, come back. Please come back, Steve. We miss you. Yeah, well, he'll have, I'm sure he'll have lots of juicy reports from, uh, uh Columbia when he's back next week. We'll get yep. into the Kingsport roster a little bit. Maybe Allen will be signed by then and we can stop worrying. Yep. So. I will never stop worrying, Lucas. Uh, I mean, it's the mess. That's, you can never me. stop worrying. 100% sure. Alright, so, uh, this has been From Complex to Queens. Uh, I'm Ken Lavin. You can find me on Twitter at KenLavin91. Uh, joined by Lucas Vlahos, who is at LVlahos343, right? Yep. I should have that in front of me. I don't. Uh, we Fine. will be joined next week by our fearless leader, Steve Sippa, who is at Steve Sippa on Twitter. And, uh, you can email the show at, um, From Complex to Queens at Gmail. Yes, I think so. <laughs> if it's not, I will include the correct email in the show post. Um, and yeah, subscribe to us on uh, iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. And uh, please rate and review the show, but only if it's positive. Yeah. So thanks, guys, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah.